It's time for the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Shondell Grand. And right now we've got a huge selection of brand new Mazdas with exciting spring incentives across our entire lineup. Plus, you can buy your new Mazda completely online with our exclusive no-brainer checkout. Don't miss the spring sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. All right, good afternoon, everybody. We are back at it a day after the game. We will not speak. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, that that was not fun last night, losing by a final of 8 to nothing. That was definitely not what we expected to see. That's not what I wanted to see. I, I got home last night and I turned it on and I was doing my usual rewatch because, no, it wasn't one of those instances where I hoped it would end differently. I knew exactly how it would end. And I just I wanted to see if maybe my eyes deceived me or no, it was it was exactly as I viewed it in real time. It was like the Sharks had a good start and then they made a mistake and then they made a couple more mistakes and then they got steamrolled. And it was like, oh, all right, I can see how this is going. And yeah, and it just, it was exactly what I saw in person and it was, uh, it was ugly. That's not one that you expect to see. It's not one you want to see. It's one that, you know, when I was doing morning tide, I, I you know, it was just kind of like, what am I supposed to say now? But I mean, I think you have to be realistic and you have to look at a lot of the issues that are going on with the sharks right now. Injuries, a B, you look at the number of holes they have to fill C you look at the roster strength going into the year and what it's, what it currently is. I, you know, I don't know that you would expect a team with this many absences and this much trouble to be that much better than they are, but you obviously don't expect that they're going to lose eight to nothing. And your hope is that after an eight to nothing loss is that the Sharks will bounce back with much better bite tonight against the Anaheim Ducks. I mean, a, when they played each other a couple of weeks ago, I thought that was a really entertaining game. I thought it was a good back and forth. I thought it was, you know, went to a shootout, which was unfortunate for the Sharks to follow in. It was one of those games where, again, you thought, boy, it would have been nice to have Eric Carlson in the three on three. But ultimately, I, you know, I, I think that the Sharks have an opportunity again here tonight to show that last night was an aberration as opposed to just a you know, an indictment of what they've been up to this point of the season. I think, you know, there's always opportunity, right? There's always opportunity for you to go and have a better performance and be able to forget what you did last night. Now, I wanted the Sharks to kind of let it stew a little bit and piss them off and not just forget about it, but think like, hey, you know, we got embarrassed at home. We want to come out with a much better performance and make up for that. So I hope that it does have that sort of an impact. I don't know that it will, but it would be my hope that they could have a better performance today when they take on the Ducks. That's just what you want. You want a team to bounce back. If the Sharks can't bounce back after last night with a much better showing than they're, uh, you know, I don't know. I, then I don't know what's going on with the dressing room. I don't know what's going on with anything in there. Uh, but I expected the pride of a Logan Couture, a Brent Burns, uh, those two in particular, and especially Bob Bugner. I, you know, I expect them to bounce back with a much better performance today. There is a level of expectation, I think, that was realistic up to this point of the season. But when you have a, a loss like that last night, I think there is a little bit more of that we're better than this. This is not the team we expect to be. This is not the team we're presenting to our fan base. It's not the image we want. It's not something we want to be associated with. I, I know that we hear, you know, calm voices after the game. And I'm sure it was not a, 
a screaming match inside the dressing room in any way, shape, or form. And when Bugner had talked to us there, he hadn't talked to the team yet. But I'm sure there was some intensity when the leadership core of the Sharks was addressing the team in the postgame. And I'm not just saying that is hopeful. I'm saying that is that would be my guess that it's not just, you know, Logan Couture saying, hey, guys, we have to play better. It's very, very clearly saying exactly what needs to be done, not mincing words. And again, I don't think he's throwing anybody under the bus. I don't think he's doing anything like that. But I think Logan Couture has been around this long enough to know exactly how to pick and choose his moments to show that intensity and get that message across that it was unacceptable that they can't play like that ever again. And I am expecting a much better performance tonight against Anaheim. To talk more about those Ducks of Anaheim, we are now joined by the Radio Color commentator for the Anaheim Ducks. It is our good friend, Dan Wood. Dan, what's going on, man? How are you doing? Doing well, Ted. Uh, Thank you for asking, and uh, hopefully the same is true for you. Yeah, man. I mean, I've, uh, you know, I'm trying to forget the Sharks eight to nothing loss last night to Nashville. And uh, you might appreciate this, Dan. I I joked with Dan Rusinowski. I said, hey, didn't you call, you know, this exact game uh, 30 years ago? But then I realized that that game, I think that was a a 12-1 or 13-1 loss that the Sharks had uh, in that year number two of their existence. I believe that was uh, in Calgary, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, I also believe Theo Fleury finished plus nine in that game. So it could have been worse last night. It could have. It could have indeed. But, uh, you know, that's the nice thing about having a game right after the Sharks are able to try and bounce back and, you know, get that purge it from their system, if you will. And much of the discussion that you know, with us uh, media members afterwards was talking about the fact that the Sharks are going to be playing uh, a desperate Anaheim team and not, you know, that might be an oversimplified term, but a team that is fighting for their playoff lives. Is that um, an accurate assessment or is it a bit hyperbolic? I suppose it's accurate. Um, You know, it it depends on your viewpoint, uh, I guess. I mean, your listeners who have heard me in the past will maybe recall that I haven't been real bullish on the Ducks playoff chances really at any point this season. And I think we're kind of starting to see the reality set in now. Um, You know, the Ducks have made tremendous strides this season, and there's Mm -hmm. a lot of reason to be happy about that and be optimistic. But I think the playoffs are a, a real long shot. So, yeah, I'm sure the players still are thinking in those terms. Um, But, you know, if you look at the math and you look at the upcoming schedule and so forth, I think really for the Ducks, it's more about just continuing to progress and build for the future. You know, if by some chance they get on a streak and uh, the playoffs become a realistic possibility, great. But uh, the thing for me, honestly, Ted, is from a Ducks perspective, playing a team that lost 8 nothing the night before, Uh, you've got to figure the Sharks are going to come out with an awful lot of desperation tonight. So it might be interesting to compare uh, which is the more desperate team tonight. That's a good point. And I I mean, I think that'll be a good battle either way, because when these two teams went at it just recently, I thought we got a, a really entertaining game. And I think that's yeah, you know, that's what you want. I mean, you you can't always, you know, ask for a win or a, a loss or, you know, you're usually if you're a fan of the Ducks or a fan of the Sharks, you're hoping your team wins. But I thought that when they went up against each other on, what was that, uh, Tuesday the 22nd, I thought that was a really entertaining game. 
Yeah, I would agree. Uh, it definitely was, as Ducks-Sharks games usually are. And, uh, you know, given what we just talked about, the desperation, if you want to call it that, on both sides, I would anticipate uh, something similar tonight. In terms of the, the decision-making for the Ducks heading towards the deadline, has there been much discussion in that regard in terms of moves, in terms of, um, you know, where things are trending in that capacity? Well, general manager Pat Verbeek, who obviously is new on the job, he met with season ticket holders yesterday and more or less reiterated what he has said uh, to the media. And that is that with regard to the three uh, big impending unrestricted free agents, Hampus Lindholm, Josh Manson, and Ricard Raquel, Pat told the season ticket holders that he is trying to re-sign them. Mm-hmm. And if that does not happen, that he will not be afraid to make the tough decisions and trade them, any or all of them, before the deadline. Because the worst case scenario is that they leave via free agency and the Ducks get no assets in return. Now, I thought it was interesting that he mentioned Hampus Lindholm by name. Mm-hmm. He talked about, uh, you know, talks are ongoing with Hampus's agent, who is Claude Lemieux. Um, you know, he did not mention Manson and Raquel by name, just kind of lumped them into that group. So, you know, if you read between the lines, does that mean Lindholm is the highest priority? I would imagine so. But what else is he going to say other than he's going to try to re-sign these guys? I mean, you're Mm -hmm. not going to say, no, we don't have any interest in re-signing them because that would obviously hurt your leverage on the trade market. So I don't know how committed he is to bringing back any or all of those players. Um, I, you know, I guess we'll find out in the next two weeks or so. Uh, It's going to be really interesting because Hampus Lindholm specifically is a guy that uh, would be extremely difficult to replace on the flip side. He's a guy who could bring back some significant assets. So the way I look at it, honestly, it's a, it's a no lose situation because either Hampus Lindholm, Josh Manson and Ricard Raquel stick around going into next season, or you're going to have something coming back for those guys. How do you think the fan base would react if there, if there were trades made of, of those players? Cause that's, and that's what I'm trying to gauge with the sharks now, because I mean, obviously everything centers around Tomas hurdle. That's the big question mark, but I mean, there, there are other players, you know, in theory could be moved as well. Well, fans are pretty predictable in that regard. I think they're not going to be happy if some of their, uh, you know, favorite players are moved. They never are. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are still people here, Ducks fans, who pine for Frederick Anderson. And, uh, you know, a number of years ago, the Ducks had a difficult decision to make there in terms of choosing between John Gibson and Freddie Anderson because they couldn't keep both. And, uh, you know, despite John Gibson's struggles lately, I think it's been borne out that the Ducks did the right thing there in terms of choosing Gibson over Anderson, uh, even though Freddie is a tremendous goaltender as well. Mm -hmm. But there are still people here who are unhappy because the Ducks didn't keep Frederick Anderson. So there will be, you know, fans unhappy if they trade any of those uh, people now. But as a general manager, obviously, you don't think in those terms. You do what you think is best for the future of your franchise. 
And uh, I'm sure that's exactly what Pat Verbeek will do, as I'm sure it is what the Sharks will do with regard to Tomas Hurdle and, uh, you know, some other players, as you mentioned. I, I think that, though, for the Ducks, though, it just it feels like there's been much more of a step forward this year in terms of maybe where the team is versus where the expectations were. So I, I guess my question is then is that if a move is made one way or another, how, how do you make sure the Ducks fans don't view that as a, as a step forward for, 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 for Verbeek? I think that's the hardest thing that I try to wrap my head around and just to make it look like it's continual steps forward as opposed to not being more of a longer term thing. And I don't know, maybe, I mean, maybe you can't send that message. <laughs> well, I think Pat Verbeek, uh, is looking at it in terms of, uh, you know, this being what he called the middle of a rebuild, not the beginning stages. Mm -hmm. And given where the ducks have been the past three seasons and where they are now, I think it's pretty clear that, uh, you know, they are moving forward and anticipating improvement immediately. You know, I don't necessarily think Pat Verbeek is going to be interested in trading for a lot of draft picks that are going to, uh, you know, take a number of years before they really benefit the franchise. If you look at what uh, Steve Eiserman did in Tampa with the Lightning when Pat Verbeek was his right-hand man, the Lightning made trades for people like Mikhail Sergachev and Eric Cernak, uh, you know, people who were not proven at that point, but they were certainly closer to being NHL ready than a draft pick is going to be. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, those two have turned out pretty well as, uh, you know, the handiwork of Iserman and Verbeek in Tampa has turned out pretty well too. So, you know, fans may not understand it, but if you trade a veteran player, for, you know, a 20-year-old who is knocking on the door of being NHL ready, uh, you know, from a business standpoint, I think that makes an awful lot of sense. If we look at the recent history of where the Ducks have been, three wins, three losses, um, a tough loss to Vegas, or a quality win against Boston, what are the continued trends that you've seen over the, over the course of that time? Or is, it, is each game an individual? You know, it's kind of hard to say because uh, this six-game homestand that ends tonight was viewed as being critical if the Ducks were going to stay in the playoff race. They won the shootout over San Jose to begin the homestand mm -hmm. and then, um, you know, had two real stinkers uh, losing to the Kings and the New York Islanders scoring only one goal in the process. And really, they were never in either one of those games. And then, uh, you know, they've come back from that with a couple of uh, real close games that could have gone either way. They won one against Boston. They lost one against Vegas. So it's kind of hard to say where a trend lies. Um, I mean, from a Ducks perspective, obviously you have to win tonight against the team that is below you in the standings. And then uh, you know, you go on a five-game road trip, which uh, includes a stop in Nashville, and we know what the Predators are about right now. And then the Ducks, uh, after opening the trip in Chicago, they winded up with three games in the New York area against yeah. the Devils, Islanders, and Rangers. So, um, you know, it, it's a tough schedule coming up. And uh, I guess really it's the old cliche, Ted, you know, take them one game at a time and, you know, see what happens after that. It is very true. And yeah, that is a, a tough stretch because then when you come back home, it's Panthers and Predators immediately. So it's uh, that's that's a bit of a gauntlet. The Sharks, yeah, they've, they've been through the same, obviously. Um, just one last for you on Trevor Zegras. 
Um, how is he, in your opinion, handling his surge to, I mean, pro- promos talk about him now for the NHL. There's, there's a, I can't remember which one I saw, it, but it was a, you know, another highlight real play from Trevor Zegras. And it's like, that's, that's pretty fast. And that's great. Obviously you want to have a player that has that type of an impact and people talk about the plays he makes, but is there, you know, that that's a lot for, for a kid to suddenly be thrust into. It absolutely is. And I always uh, have a little bit of concern about that. I remember when the Ducks were coming off their Stanley Cup win in 2007 and the NHL media tour before the next season, uh, you know, the Ducks sent Ryan Getzlaff to that. And at the time, he was coming off his first full NHL season. And I remember thinking, you know, wow, are are you really going to put this young guy in the fishbowl here and Mm -hmm. uh you know i I didn't necessarily know whether that was wise and with zegris you can ask the same question the one thing about z is he really relishes or at least seems to relish all of the attention and all of the pressure Mm -hmm. being on his shoulders uh as evidenced the other night when he scored the the game-winning goal on the power play in the you know 20 seconds left whatever it was against boston he loves uh, being under the microscope and his personality is such that uh, I, I don't know that this is going to be detrimental for him. Ryan Getzlaff at the same age was a markedly different person uh, than Zegras is. So I suppose if Zegras' career doesn't pan out the way everyone here hopes it will, you might look back someday and say, well, maybe the Ducks threw too much too soon at him. But um, he's a he's a different breed, Trevor Zegras, and I don't know that any of this attention or, uh, you know, the demands on his time from the media and so forth. I don't know that any of that is really going to bother him. Yeah, well, he's he's fun to watch. I will give him that much. And uh, if he can handle it all, then, man, he is uh, he's a star. I mean, he already is a star, but now. I mean, it could it can get to next level if he keeps on making the type of plays that he does. Well, Dan, I appreciate your time as always. Love chatting it up with you. Have a great broadcast tonight, and we will see you again on the 26th of March. That sounds good, Ted. Looking forward to coming back to San Jose. Dan Wood, everyone, the radio color commentator for the Anaheim Ducks. Always a pleasure talking with him as we get uh, ready to go for today's game against the Ducks. And again, it's all about the bounce back. Can the Sharks put that awful game behind them last night behind them and come out with a better performance against the Ducks? And I, I'm, you know, I'm hopeful that they will. I don't know that they will, but I think at this point, even though hope is not a strategy, you have to think that these guys are going to want to make atonements for what happened last night. And I would bet that all of them went to bed last night, not feeling very good about that one, wanting to make up for it in terms of play, wanting to give themselves a better performance. And hopefully that's what we will get tonight. Now, a little bit of news on the San Jose Sharks. James Reimer has been placed on injured reserve and the Sharks have recalled defenseman Santori Hatika from the Barracuda. So, you know, they are giving themselves more options going into this game. And hopefully, um, you know, we will get to maybe see a little bit of Santori Hatika because I, I liked what we saw from him back when he came up in the, uh, the stretch of the season when the Sharks lost seven regulars due to COVID that started right the day before Halloween. Um, his play, I, I thought that I liked what I saw from him and I wouldn't mind seeing more and I wouldn't mind seeing just some fresh legs out there for the Sharks. I don't know if that's what they plan on doing, but you know, we'll see how it goes. And ultimately the Sharks 
need all the energy and all the vibe they can get. And, you know, I liked what Dan Wood talked about, that while the Ducks are definitely going to be in a bit of a desperation mode themselves, that the Sharks, wanting to bounce back from an 8-0 loss, are going to be playing like madmen themselves. So, should be a fun one tonight as the Sharks and the Ducks do battle at 5. Again, our pregame coverage starts at 4.30 right here on the Sharks Audio Network with Dan Rusinowski. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.